Coming to you from the heart of the Great White North. Welcome to the Canadian Prepper Podcast. Immerse yourself in the world of preparedness with insights from seasoned experts and a touch of Canadian practicality. Your go-to source for all things survival, resilience, and self-reliance. Now, let's kick off another episode packed with knowledge and strategies to ensure you're ready for whatever life may throw your way. Stay tuned and let the journey to preparedness begin. Welcome to episode number 229 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording February the 4th, 2024. My name is Eric, host of the show, based in Southern Ontario, hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and of course, computer geek. So first responder, witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events, and started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. And I'm Jeff. I am based in Central Ontario. I'm a target shooter, ham radio operator, general raw handyman, and weather nerd. And I'm the Frugal Gunny. I recently moved to Northern Ontario, pretty much in the middle of nowhere. I'm an off-gridder, shooter, hunter, fisher, gatherer, trapper type, and a generalist. And it's only fairly recently that I came to accept that I'm a proper. And then you came on a podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we got Dave with us tonight. Uh, how's it going, going, everybody? My name is Dave Eisel. I'm uh, from the, you may have seen me on the Canadian Patriot podcast. Uh, I'm a avid competition shooter, hunter, and uh, angler as well, which uh, I think is one of the main reasons I've been brought in tonight. Give my give my two cents, maybe, and shoot, shoot the breeze with uh, the gentleman on the show. Awesome. Well, if you want to help support the show, embrace our new intro, uh, you can buy some swag. We've got uh, the Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt and the tactical Velcro patch at prepperpodcast.ca. All help, all, all help, all lights. Oh my God, I can't talk tonight. All help uh, keeps the lights on and the backup generator fueled. I'm going to have another sip of rye. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and submit a review wherever you may have found us. We want your feedback, good or bad. Uh, we also invite you to reach out and tell us about something you've learned this week. Or if there's a topic you want us to cover, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right. So we've got some uh, jigging content for you in this episode. Let's start out with some relevant news articles. We'll ca catch you up on what we've done lately for our own personal preps. We're going to get into the main topic. We're talking about fishing. And tonight it's actually the fish out of the water, not the cyber stuff we talked about a few episodes ago. So let's uh, move into the news. So fishing with an F, you mean? Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> Sometimes um, many. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you live anywhere in the Maritimes, you know that you are getting snow, 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 and more snow. Um, we have one of our panelists actually that... Um, comes on the odd time and he lives in Halifax and he sent us a couple of pictures and they are just getting bombarded with snow. Uh, Cape Breton has declared a state of emergency. Uh, they're expecting anywhere up to, I say up to, um, so don't have a big panic, but there's been a lot of pictures of a ton of snow. They're saying they could be up to 150 centimeters before this whole storm uh, moves away sometime Monday night into Tuesday. Uh, but any anywhere, anywhere, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, 
maybe even it might even get over towards Newfoundland. I'll maybe talk about it a bit more in my weather blurb. But yeah, they're uh, they're getting hammered, hammered with snow. Um, he he said he hasn't seen that much snow in years. I saw so, a few uh, on the internet. Up then. Yeah, I don't even think I think it's too deep for snowmobiles. I was looking at a few video, quick videos of it, and like it's as tall as me. Like it's five, it's over five feet of snow. Yeah, it it like, is, and that's you know, it out. Snow, like it's, snowmobiles yeah, are are great, but they're not designed for that kind of fluff when it's when it's that deep. So yeah, you just um, get bogged right in because yeah. it's not hard. Yeah, they, the, uh, the latest quickie update I got from uh, just a, a quick thing in on Cape Breton. And that area was, they said 40% of their roads are impassable. Wow. All, they're, all they're concentrating on with the plows is basically the main highways and uh, any arterial road that may take you towards a medical center. And outside of that, you're, you're on your own. So. Wow. Crazy, crazy. All right, let's move into what we've done lately for preps. And we'll start out with Jeff. Again, wow, I'm number one yeah, again. Yeah. Um, wow. I uh, helped a friend uh, repair and get his uh, generator going. Um, I made a comment to him about, he made a comment about his generator. And of course, me being me, I just said, well, have you tested it? Have you had it running lately? Oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And he called me up and said, I won't start. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised. So just, uh, it, there wasn't a lot to it, drained out all the crappy gas, flushed out, cleaned the carb, put it back together. Everything worked great. So uh, I did a little bit of fuel rotation and I picked up a new mobile ham radio, just a really dinky dinky little one that I'm going to be able to put in my vehicle and get a start on that. So I just need to get it, uh, get her all wired up and get the antenna wired up, which, uh, I'm sure Mr. Radio Nerd Eric will be willing to help me with. So, uh, and uh, it'll, co it'll and cost you a few beers, but I'll help. Yeah. <laughs> it always does. Uh, I, I got to point out Kirk in the live chat has a very important question. Uh, will a can opener antenna? Very important. Maybe we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, you never know, do you? I'm, I'm sure we could tune one up. What kind of range do you think you might get out of that, though? Obviously, all the fars. I want to try this just to see if we did it. <laughs> we'll try it one day over a couple beers. We'll see how it goes. Uh, for myself, a little bit of radio nerdness as well. Uh, this past week, got out uh, with the portable uh, rig to the park to do a little parks on the air. Been trying to iron out a few little problems with the setup uh, the last little while, and uh, I think finally got it all sorted. I was having some audio issues where people just couldn't hear me, and uh, they were complaining about distorted audio and. Took a lot of troubleshooting, but uh, yeah, 85 contacts in about an hour and a half. And uh, yeah, I think I got it all, all sorted out and just uh, goes back to the whole testing your gear and knowing how to use it, right? Um, had I have not done that, I would have had this audio issue the whole time and maybe would never been able to make contact with anybody. So at least now I know it's all fixed. It works. And I know how to set it up so that it doesn't happen again. That's a lot of contacts in a short amount of time, but. Oh, Parks on the Air is fantastic for that. You just throw your call out and as soon as uh, you get spotted on the uh, the spawning page the wave comes and you get a huge pile up it's uh it's a lot of fun if you're a radio nerd anyways well it's it's giving me high hopes for for yeah. when i go mobile 
and all the contacts were mostly in the States, but then all of a sudden out of nowhere, I had one station from Spain jump in just a little wire in the tree in the park. (laughs) That's impressive. Nice. What do you got frugal? Well, on my end, uh, I've been pretty busy preparing for my new gig that I'm starting uh, tomorrow. Uh, Otherwise uh, just bringing a few ADC tweaks. That's about it. Otherwise, I'm doing some canned goods rotation. So, you know, exciting food recipes like cheesy hot crab dip. Um, Ooh, sign me up. Uh, yeah, it's actually pretty darn tasty. So that's a hit. I'll be doing it again. Uh, other than that, I'm just doing some minor truck maintenance, like oil changes, tire pressure checking, which I usually do every couple of weeks, but I've let it slip recently. Um, so just doing all that prior to hitting the road and, uh, that's about it. Other than that, getting ready for work, work, work. Uh-huh. Never ends. <laughs> uh, you've done anything for any preparedness this last week, Dave, or anything you want to comment on or just want yeah, to talk I about mean, topic? Always lots of, uh, little, little things this weekend got lots done. Like yesterday I was at the range making sure I, uh, I bought a new rifle. So I was zeroing it in. So Ooh. having a zeroed rifle is kind of important if you actually want to hit something. And then this is uh, true. Yeah. And then I have a very large, uh, large maple out front and, uh, the, uh, power lines are very close, very close to it. So I just did a little trimming around that tree. Cause it doesn't look like the town gives a shit. So even though I'm, you know, pretty much in the middle of town, so tr- trimmed up a whole bunch of trees and, uh, of branches off of it that were kind of, you know, one was hanging over buddy's car uh, from like for my neighbor. So, you know, I'd feel like I feel really bad if that ever, fell on his car and then some more that were, you know, right around. I don't think they're power lines. I think they're like internet, like cable internet lines. Cause they're like so low to the ground. Uh, but obviously losing internet's a big deal these days. So trying to keep that not, uh, not in danger of going down in a storm, which it's dangerously, dangerously getting close to that. So trim that all up while it's still cold out. So hopefully it's uh, you know, least amount of impact on the tree and then, now I have lots of kindling again as well. So the next thing will be to uh, get a fire pit going in the backyard. It's kind of just, a, I just moved into my house not too long ago, but it lasts a little over a year now. But the backyard is basically my, a blank a blank slate. It's just a bunch of grass. So I can do nice. with it uh, whatever I want. And I, I'd like to get a, I'd like to get a, a fire pit back there for, for camping out. It doesn't seem like the town minds too much as long as you keep it reasonable. My brother next door has one, so figure i might as well get one going too i was just going to say the town doesn't care until the neighbor calls but if the neighbor's yeah. brother perfect. yeah exactly so we're good <laughs> i think good i deal. think there's at least like yeah. we, we there's like a back alley and then there's some more houses that with their backyards facing us and i think at least you know there's probably about a row of about eight eight or ten houses together like they're like long lots but skinny but mm-hmm. i'd say at least four or five other people also have fire pits back there so i think everybody's kind of kind of partaking and not too worried about it very nice until the until the fire gets over the eve and then more people can see it (laughs) yeah and by the way it's not a real fire till it gets over the eaves yeah this is true (laughs) that's just my opinion well i I think the plan is to get a a used truck rim from work and then uh and hopefully that'll you know you can't you can only make it so big if it's just like a you know a 20 inch truck rim it shouldn't get too out of hand you know what i mean 
You haven't seen Jeff with fire before, hey? Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> you can get that truck rim to glow in the dark. Let me know. Yeah, I'll do There's my always best. ways. <laughs> awesome. Well, with that, how about we move into the main topic, shall we? So this evening, we figured we would uh, get into fishing. And like I said in the intro there, we're not talking about the fishing with the pH and the computers and all the ones and zeros. Uh, we're talking about the actual fish out of the water. Uh, it's a topic we haven't covered yet in uh, 229 episodes. I'm surprised we haven't, but uh, here we are. So, uh, you know, all of us, for the most part, kind of dabble in it. Myself and Jeff are very good at uh, fishing beer out of the cooler. Um, you know, we, we go on an annual fishing trip, but, um, the whole point is to just beer it out of the cooler and we might put lines in the water. Um, maybe, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's more of a drinking trip than a fishing trip, but that's all right. Um, we figured we'd, uh, we heard that Dave knows a thing or two about, uh, about fishing and, uh, invited him on to, uh, to answer a few questions because, uh, our techniques for getting beer out of the cooler probably won't work as well as getting fish out of the water. So, I will say this, uh, sorry, Dave, just wanted yeah. to jump in. So I don't have to fish or me and Eric at, on the fish trip. We don't have to fish much when we have the whisperer with us. This is true. Uh, one of the guys that, uh, that, that fishes with us, how he does it. I have no idea. Every time he does it, I want to punch him in the face. Um, I'll fish <laughs> yeah. at a spot for five minutes. I won't get a thing. He'll walk over. He'll say the fish is right there. He'll cast over there. Thirty seconds later, he's got a fish on his rod. I don't. And another get it. one chasing that one. Yep. Yep. I have no clue how he does it. Um, I, I just, I don't know. But yes, it's as true. Eric says, my my, I I, I do like the fish. Um, but my my main claim to fame is fishing the beer out of the cooler. I won't <laughs> deny that. <laughs> awesome. Well. Uh, Guess we'll we'll start out uh, like I said we brought Dave out uh, the, this evening to uh, to kind of talk about uh, fishing because apparently he's got a little bit more knowledge and experience than uh, than myself, Gunny, and uh, Jeff do. Uh, awesome. Are you a beer out of the cooler fisher too, Dave? Or are you actually a fish out of the water type fisher? Uh, I'm generally a fill the fill the chain up with with fish first, and then I'll come home mm -hmm. and 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 fish start fishing out of the cooler uh, when we're once we're cut, cutting up some fillets. Yeah, um, yeah I've been I've been fishing since I was five five years old with my with my dad uh that's that's kind of our our thing that's how we we bond and how we how we hang out together and uh you know my dad's retired now and you know as as into these things that i as i am that's how into fishing he is uh every every spare weekend or every spare day moment that he has he's going he's going out fishing and it it does not matter uh what time of year it is uh there's always uh, some sort of fishing to be had. And that's the nice thing why I think it's actually, it's pretty surprising to me that you guys have never talked about fishing before. It's, it's one of those things that uh, you can have a source of protein uh, all around all times of the year. If you know what you're doing and where to go, uh, whether, whether it's ice fishing yeah. or in the fall and the spring, you can go in the rivers. There's cause you know, all the fish are spawning in the rivers and then, you know, out on the main lakes and along, along the shorelines in the summertime. So yeah, there's there's lots of uh, there's lots of fish, and depending on where you are, uh, just knowing the right things, you know, even the smallest smallest rivers, you'd be surprised there'd be a there could be a trout just sitting in a little pool that you can then feed yourself for uh, you know a few days with at least if you uh, if you get hooked into it. <laughs> I, I have to so agree. Give, 
give give us an idea. Like you say, they could be in a in a a stream or a a small river or or a lake. Mm-hmm. Give give us an idea. Are there better spots to go? Like mm-hmm. like I've heard some people say where you know if, if there's a sandbar or something like that, fish just off the sandbar, kind of down at the bottom. Or are there any hints for yeah, for absolutely. Us to find a good I mean, spot. The- uh, sandbars kind of like usually would mean that you're already on the lake. So that's going to infer that you have a boat. So that's kind of the first barrier to entry when it comes to bigger lake fishing. But as far as more inland stuff, uh, you're usually going to be looking for, uh, as far as rivers are concerned, you're looking usually for river bends where the river uh, speeds up usually around the bends. And you're going to, there's usually from the natural erosion of how it comes around the corner, it's going to uh, wear a deeper pool at the in that corner and so the fish are always going to be down in that pool so if you can put a little weight on your on your line and get honestly just some worms some little worms under a rock they they go crazy for that so all you need is a hook and a sinker if you can get your line down at the bottom of that pool you're probably going to get a bite you're probably going to catch a fish uh so you're usually looking for you know faster running water deeper pools when it comes to rivers uh and then also River mouths are usually where fish are usually coming in and out of. Often fish will come in to the shallows and eat uh, during the morning hours and the evening. And then they'll go back out on the main lake during the day where the water's cooler and they can go down in the deeper water and then they come back in at night. Uh, And it's the same with even shallow lakes. Um, You're usually looking deeper water during the day. Most Most fish don't like sunlight. So you're usually trying to uh, go a little deeper during the day and then at night they usually will come in a little shallower if you're on shallow lakes you know if you're just in a if you're just in a like a canoe on a shallower lake um, you're usually looking for like weed beds like you're looking for um, like the edge of weed beds usually the fish are going to be ambush the predators that you want to catch are usually going to be sitting in those weeds and then waiting for little fish to swim by and then they're going to jump out and get those little fish so usually if you can get your bait along those weed beds <clears throat> you're gonna you're gonna attract something as well and then also like if you're fishing for bass they like to hide under just about anything you're, you're usually lo- what's looking for what we call uh when uh, on our sonars feature so they just they're not going to usually just hang out in a wasteland with nothing to hide because right. you know the stuff that they're trying to eat can see them coming so they're usually going to be hiding under fallen trees, under docks, under boats, uh, lily pads. Those are the kind of things. If you see a like, if you see a big lily pad field cast along the edge of the lily pads, you're pretty much guaranteed you're going to get something biting after a few casts. So it's the biggest thing that, at the end of the day, that fishing is going to teach you those is patience. Oh yes. You're not just going to catch a fish first cast every every time. No. It's no. going to be 10 casts and then all of a sudden like like you were just saying with your friend, you cast it at that same spot for 20 minutes and then you got sick and tired and left. But then buddy goes there and he throws maybe a different color lure in there and then bang, first bang. cast he, he catches yeah. something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's not even a different color lure. It's just a yeah. Oh, yeah, every yeah. time. Yeah, every I have to remember that what you know for one lake or one river could be completely mm-hmm. different in another lake and another mm-hmm. river. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's why the guys who have a ton of different colors of different varieties of things sometimes do better because they just pick the right color for that day for that fish. Uh, yeah. You yeah. If, you, if you follow any of the, uh, 
any of like the professional anglers that like go to tournaments and stuff, they'll have an entire garage full and, and you ask them and they'll be like, so what's these ones for? He's like, oh, this is for that lake. And then they'll, yeah. they'll be like, oh, what's this box for? Oh, that crate is for this lake. Because they go to all the lakes for the tur- for the tournaments and they learn what works at each tournament. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's not the same thing that works at this lake that works at that lake. You got to try. And so when you get to a new lake, you got to try different stuff till you start getting, so you start hooking into stuff. An age-old strategy I'm sure Dave has heard of is called match the hatch. So when you get to a lake, if you don't know what's in that lake, well, you put out a minnow net, put a little bit of bread in there. They tend to go for old white bread. They go nuts for that stuff. Put a little bit of that in there, throw your minnow net out, and then see what pops up in the minnow net. Now you've got an idea of what's actually living in that portion of that lake. You're off to a start. You've got some intel, right? So that's what my uh, my old mentor taught me is one important thing. Get to know your lake because they're all different, man. What you yeah, know you, about fishing one spot is different in a whole other area. Yeah, if you look at, if you just, yeah, if you just look at different types of minnows, right? You got smelts that are more of like a little silver and black. And then you have, if you go some of the more bass filled lakes, they're usually feeding on like little perch, which is like a black and orange. So, and when you go to a bait shop, you'll see all these colors, right? So it's like, which it can be a little bit overwhelming when you walk into oh, a tackle yeah. shop. It's like, what do I, what do I, what do I get? What do I start with? So if you go to some good places, like where, where I'm, where I'm at the, the ang- local angling shops are got some pretty cool guys in there and you know, they're, they're willing to help you. Uh, I think that uh, sometimes fishing can be a little intimidating. Some people don't like to share. Some people don't like to share their secrets or their, 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 so their, their special holes, but uh, uh, mo- most people are pretty good and want you to catch fish. And uh, so the best thing to do is talk to some locals. Uh, even if you don't have what the right stuff, go out and fish and don't be afraid to chat up the guys on the, on the on the river and on the on the war in the wharf you know wherever you're fishing most guys will be happy to show you what they're fishing and even if they're not just look at their lines eventually they're gonna have to pull it up and you'll see who's catching and who's catching on what and you know all right 100%. that guy's catching on those little power baits all right i'm gonna go grab some of those next time so yeah. again just be patient don't be afraid to go back a couple times and don't be afraid to to talk to strangers with uh when it comes to fishing most That's most right. fishermen are pretty chatty when it when it comes to going on my dad has a bunch of friends that like he only sees them when he goes to certain places and they they know each other by name but like they'll never see each other unless they are down at the wharf fishing but they're always there so you're they're gonna see them <laughs> it's a great way oh, to learn great. is watching other people fish I, I learned most of what i've actually everything i've learned from watching other people fish because my dad didn't really know much about fishing so uh, mm-hmm. i started out young but i had to you know, open my eyes and keep my ears peeled open and pay attention. And so um, you don't need a lot to get started. Like Dave says, the spinning rod is, you know, all I run. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of purists would tell me, oh God, you need this and that. And they're probably right, but I'm making do with what I got. And right now it's spinning rods and they're fairly accessible to the general public. You don't have to spend big money. Um and there's certain things you're going to learn the hard way, um, like that big expensive lure you bought. Well, it's probably the first thing that's going to snag and, you know, yeah. break uh, your heart it, when it goes. It's fine to buy the $15 lure, but you better buy some half decent line 
to attach it or it's going to just snap off after the biggest That's thing right. i find with uh with line is buy quality line because yes it'll be okay uh in the beginning but usually the difference between good line and shitty line is uh the good line will last longer and will take yes. abuse and you don't really re realize it but like pulling that line through weeds through brush catching it on stuff uh just handling it at, at home and in your vehicle uh it gets a uh, abrasion on it over time and uh Definitely. even after i usually i usually reline most of my reels uh once a season at the end of the season uh because it just you know they just it just gets all kinds of little nicks and kinks and everything and you look at it and if you look closely at it some people's people's vision is better than others it's so hard to see the line these days but you'll see little frays on it and that means it's time to change it and even even you know we're, me and my father are seasoned anglers and even we made that mistake this year we uh fishing on lake erie we uh are using these big uh we, we call a leader so we have uh <coughs> basically uh let's say the way we have it set up where we're fishing is we're trying to get down to specific depth so you have what's called a dipsy diver that'll bring it down to specific depth and then we'll put a about an eight foot leader of line and then a lure to get it away from that dipsy diver and that leader uh we were we were in the middle of july and then we started i think on one day two of two of our four rods they snapped and like we lost fish wow. and and our ten dollar lures with it uh all because we weren't paying attention to that they were they were totally afraid we looked at the other two and we we're like holy shit no wonder those things broke these things are beat to shit we've been catching so many fish on it already uh throughout the throughout the past couple of months so now we, you know, lesson learned. Got to be uh, more on top of, of your, you know, your tackle, making sure that it's in decent shape. Try and protect your investment. Like you said, those lures are, are not cheap. The, and so, but you can get started. Yeah, like you said, I, with I, a. Go ahead. No, I was gonna. I was gonna say for the most part, um, I I just go with the uh, the good old hook and worm. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not as concerned about the um the lures and which lure does what and what else because at the end of the day if if i'm at the point where i'm fishing for my life um do i really care which which lure i have what brand works well what, probably not i just want to catch mm -hmm. something on my rod that i'm going to be able to eat so mm -hmm. absolutely yeah Always. i mean you can use a piece of you know a, a stick and a, and a piece yeah. of string at the end of the day you'll probably hook into something edible um, definitely and, and if like, you're fishing for your life i definitely recommend live bait you know mm -hmm. worm frog um those a frog this is saying if you want to catch a bass just have a frog yeah frog, frog or, or worms. quick quickest oh, yeah. thing we've, we've done like for little streams is uh, just look under big rocks you're almost always going to find uh creepy crawlies and, and and little skinny worms i don't know what it is people always buy those big fat like night crawlers from the from the tackle store and i've actually found that like trout will eat those little skinny worms the little guys I yeah wait wait way more uh, just just load your load your hook up with that and you'll you'll, you'll get a, a couple of trout <laughs> that's a good tip i yeah, like the, those little trout. that's a good tip yeah yeah the, the fat ones i find are probably usually for you know you put those on bath for bass yeah um but if you're in a stream and there's it's trout in the stream the, the little skinny worms are, are usually the way to go <laughs> I like that. One one of my successful combinations is using a tube jig. And a tube jig is basically a, a plastic tube that you can slip onto a weight, which is on uh, on the end of a hook. 
you basically hook out to the end of your line for those of you who've never seen it before that's that's what it is I'm trying to describe it to somebody who's listening in the tube jig is but it's basically a, a weighted hook with a little plastic lure that you slip on top of it one of the things i like to do is combine worms just a segment of worm into that um that hook uh prior to slipping over the tube jig and so now you've got something that looks like a live bait that the fish is interested in but you've also got that tasty smell and flavor of the worm and that seems to be a really great winning combination that's cheap too because if i lose a tube jig i'm not going to cry i have usually a bag of them <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. so yeah there's there's different ways to get into it on the cheap that's one of my successful ones is combining those two and again you don't have to spend big money although i have seen rapala and rapala type um, baits that classically hit fish all the time so they're my go-to's hmm. um, uh, we were fishing uh, mostly lake erie last year <clears throat> like the main lake for for walleye and um you know some people swear by by live bait but um we were just using specifically colored uh like copper backed lures like the yeah. three and a half four inchers and we caught our limit every day that we were out once the fish are out in the main main lake uh we had no problem catching fish the only thing i find with lake erie is you just have to be willing to uh go out far enough get into the deep water i don't know how familiar you know you guys are with lake erie uh it's main it's a very shallow lake and it takes literally miles for it to get deep like uh Lake Ontario, you can be out, you're not, you don't even have to be out a mile and you're already in 150, 200 feet of water. Whereas Lake Erie, we go out uh, in the middle of July to get to 70, 75 feet of water and we're almost 10 miles offshore. So like it gets wow. pretty hard to see, right? So there's a bit more risk involved with that, right? You need to be paying attention to the weather when you're out that mm -hmm. far and uh, making sure that, you know, nothing's rolling in during the day and make sure you got a radio that works because uh, 10 miles is a lot of, a lot of ground to cover. If, if weather rolls in, you, you know, yeah. even if the boat's at full tilt, you know, our boat goes pretty fast, but once it starts getting rough, like you generally can't go full speed and right. uh, it can, it can take, you know, a solid half hour uh, to get back in when you're 10 miles offshore. That's a great yeah, point. You bring up a good, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, you bring up a good point. Even just mentioning 10 miles out and getting further away from shore, even just the disorientation of knowing exactly where you're and how to get back to the dock that you launched from. Mm -hmm. uh, paying attention yeah, to all that's important, right? Yeah, yeah it's gotta... very easy to get turned around when you lose shoreline vision, yeah. um, field of view. That's that's a big one. But uh, there's also the fact that you, you don't want to be out on water that's too big for your boat. Mm -hmm. So... Right, you know, that, I've, I've, got, I've, I've got a canoe that's big enough to get me into big enough water that I could get myself into trouble. And so, if I'm not smart and I stray very far from shoreline, and like Dave says, if a system rolls in while I'm out there, I'm completely exposed in a canoe. And while it's stable enough for me to stand uh, now and then and hit the bass with it it's not really safe to be out in a canoe on a big lake like that. So that's just something I'm going to avoid doing, but you got to remember the size of your boat for the it's, lake you're on. It's probably the most scary thing I've seen on Lake Erie was watching guys go out on like little 12 foot tinners, you know, and you know, the side of the boat at the back is only like this high, like, you know, it's, it's only a, 
18 inches at most at, at the, you know, at the hull, at the back, at the transom. And yeah. these guys are going, you know, two miles, even they're not going out as far as I am, but they're still going two miles offshore. And that lake, even with a 10 kilometer an hour wind, you already got, uh, you know, you already got rollers that are, you know, two and three feet high. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't, uh, doesn't seem worth it to me. Uh, I've talked to a couple guys uh, that I've met up with on a couple of Facebook groups, um, for Lake Erie and one of them is doing um what's it called he does what's the word I'm looking for he's a volunteer uh coast guard for Lake Erie and so like he uses his boat and then the government kind of pays him for his services and uh, he's got you know he's got a lot of stories like it, it just the biggest thing he says that bothers him is that people think that they're going to get charged money when they call for help from the coast guard even if it's, even if it ends up being a, you know, the biggest one is my engines died. I can't get it started. You know, should I call for help or should I just try and fix it? And it's like, well, call for help and then try and fix it. And then that way, if you can't fix it, help is already on its way. Uh, whereas people think, oh, you know, if, if I end up, you know, not needing them, they're going to charge me money for not using them and, and wasting their time. It's like, no it doesn't it's you know it's your taxes pay for it it, it's, it doesn't cost you anything it's they so would rather show up and not be needed a hundred show up and be needed a hundred percent and yeah so that's the probably i couldn't that blows my mind but i'm like and i was like you know what i i can see how people think that but yeah it's pretty crazy yeah. that there isn't more of a campaign so to speak where they need to get the word out where like that's just not the case yeah. you know if you need us call yes. us that's what we're here for yeah. And speaking, uh, calling for help and getting assistance when you are out on the water, uh, Dave's got a good question in the live chat. He just asks, uh, does what three words work on lakes or just on land? And it breaks up the entire world into a grid. So no matter where you are, those three words in the app, assuming um, you can get the three words in the app there. Um, yeah, it will, uh, it'll pinpoint you no matter where you are in the world. What's that? Sorry. What, what are we talking about? Uh, so it's called uh, what three words it's a, uh, it's a little application you can put on your cell phone or mobile okay. device and it'll um, it, it's geographically a split the world up into little quadrants and those okay. quadrants have three words. It's just something easier for you to remember right. instead of having to remember the GPS coordinates. So then when right. you contact emergency services, you can say, I've got these three words from the what three words app, and then they can triangulate exactly where you are in that little, little oh, grid. Yeah. Okay. So. Right on. I'll have to look into that super handy little application. Yeah. The one thing I installed on our boat as soon as we got it was, uh, was a radio. And then this radio you need to, you, as you program your boat serial number into it. And then there's obviously a distress beacon. You can just press that button and it'll just start sending out a, a basically a beacon that to where you are. So as long as the boat's not totally underwater, it should be okay. And even as long as it doesn't go to the bottom of the lake, it should be still working. It's supposed to be, you know, waterproof. It's supposed to keep working even if, even when, if it gets wet. So cool. another thing to make sure, but the thing is people don't do is they don't program it. So like they get the radio, they get it installed, but then they just, Oh, the radio's there. It's, it, it works. It must work, but you have to put some info into it to make sure that it, uh, it, it's useful. That's a good is that tip. like a Marine type of radio or yeah. is it a certain type of, yeah, it's like a it's a marine radio that I got, yep. you know, from from the uh, motorsports store where we got the boat. And it's got a pretty pretty decent size antenna. It's about uh, I think that antenna is about seven feet. It's pretty okay. pretty long. So it's, it, mm. I can hear guy I can hear Coast Guard talking clear across the water. They're up in uh, I could hear Coast Guard talking up in in Buffalo, and I'm down in 
I'm usually I'm usually going out of Port Glasgow, which is like right in the middle of the lake, I'd say, as far as uh, east west. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it you can pretty much talk to anybody on the lake with that with that receiver. Cool. It works pretty good. Impressive. Very nice. Uh, so, as far as setting your line up, um, just going out for basic fishing, nothing crazy competition wise are you just doing line hook worm or are you doing line lure are you putting anything between those and like between well, the line and the hook or uh usually you're just gonna, look like yeah I, I mean usually we got either bait casters or like a softer tip like ugly stick but as far as uh you know line usually you're gonna go with like fluorocarbon uh you know 10 12 pound test is usually pretty good these days because yeah the, the technology has come so far along and then you're usually just putting a uh, usually just put a swivel on it because like I said you're you're usually trying a lot of different things so you're usually taking uh, taking lures off and on so I put a swivel on there that makes popping them off really quickly uh, I know some guys that <clears throat> they start getting to a point where they find that's too much trouble so they just start buying extra rods and so you'll see like guys with like a stack of six rods so that way it's just I, like I all right this one's I done do <laughs> just stack it here grab another one it's like <laughs> it's getting a little getting a little prissy in here i don't know yeah. that's, 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 that's a lot that, man I'd, I'd rather have two or three rods and call that good so i've got my ugly stick that's my do everything yeah, that's my I, yeah that's my all around yep. like jack you know yeah, jack of all trades. Jack of all trades. Who, who doesn't? Yeah. Who doesn't have an ugly stick? <laughs> it, it'll it'll take a bit of abuse uh, and keep working for you, and it'll land fish in the boat. Um, it doesn't have the greatest feel out there. There's other rods out there for a greater feel if you want to do like some lightweight work with bass or one that I love to finesse with the feel is um, uh, oh gosh, black crappie. Those will produce a lot of fish if you find a nice hole mm -hmm. um, and you're not too fussy about getting the biggest, fattest fish because the biggest, you're fattest You're just getting ones, fillets off those. Yeah. Fill in the pail. That's what's all done with those fish. <laughs> exactly. You can take a, a whole pile of these. I think it's, what, 30 per person in one in one. Something like that. Catch. Yeah. Some, some places it's 50. Some places it's 30. We're talking about a lot of fish here, friends. So if, if you can get your hands on on a crappy setup that you like, uh, I just run light line. So what I do is I switch out lures. I use multiple lures. So if, if you're frugal like I am, you can have just two or three rods, one or two lightweight ones, because contrary to popular belief, you don't need monster rods for the average game fish. Um, you can do just fine with a light medium action medium action to heavy is like for heavier fish or if you're trolling and you're running from a power boat maybe i guess i don't know i i just never needed because i don't go after big steel um i don't go after the big deep fish right i do go for walleye but i don't go for uh lake trout and that sort of big deep species that i'm sure dave gets to hit a little bit more but that's different kind of rigging isn't it yeah, that's the thing. Lake lake trout are a big fish. They're they're up there with like salmon. Uh, so you need to, you need heavy duty gear, even yeah. for the stuff that we're doing on Lake Erie with the walleye. It's uh, you know you need heavier rods, heavier reels. Yeah. Uh, like we're using what's called um, what's what's the uh, we're using braid. So basically the uh, the main line that goes down to that dipsy diver, like I said, braid doesn't um, has no stretch. 
So yeah. it's it's when you when it's down because you're trying to count like I said exactly how deep you are. So the dipsy divers will come with like a chart uh, on the box, and so they'll be like, you let out, you know, 85 feet of line that uh, on this setting, it's going to be down 35 feet. Uh, so you don't want that braid stretching because that's going to throw off where you are on your depth because you're trying to put it where you're seeing fish on the TV, like on your sonar. So you're going to use braid and heavier rods and heavier reels. So it's going to be a lot more money for that kind of stuff when you're, when you're fishing for big fish in deep water. So yeah, you use the, use, you know, just like kind of like firearms, use, use the, use the right tool for the job. You're not going to use your ugly stick to try and catch a 30 pound lake trout. He's going to snap rod in half, right? <laughs> Correct. You're going to have a bad day. Yeah. There, there's uh, a great comment too. Don't use a light rod for pike either. Well, sure. Yeah. If you're in pike territory, you know, you might want to you know, change your setup. Mm. Right. So pike territory, pike are known for cutting your line off. Right. Yeah, if you're if you're specifically oh, yeah. going for pike or or, or musky, which I think it's they're basically call them like the barracuda of the freshwater, yeah. uh yeah. you're gonna want to use a you're gonna want to use like a steel leader. So that yeah, way the because they're I don't know if you ever looked in the mouth of a pike or of a over especially of a musky, but they literally have teeth inside their yeah. entire mouth like they've got two rows on the top of their mouth and then they have their jaw and then there's like another two rows on the bottom there's like there's like eight rows of teeth in the mouth of a muskie it's it's just oh, yeah. all teeth like never it's... stick your hand in there oh no it's the stuff of nightmares <laughs> folks don't don't do it if you're squeamish man it's a, <laughs> uh, it's a quick way to need some to need a trip to the hospital for some stitches it, it, it is but but dave's right if you're in pike territory definitely run a steel leader of some kind uh mm. at least a thing that's you know maybe six inches yeah. long five six inches at least maybe yeah, at more least. You know? yeah it depends on how big the pike are in your yeah. if you're in your lake if you know they're pretty yeah. big you're gonna you're probably gonna want to get 12 inches honestly definitely. Like if you think, definitely you think about like how big it is from like the front of their mouth to the back of their their back of their throat like you know if they yeah. swallow it it the you know the bait could be all the way at the back of their neck so you true need, you know you want to make sure you got enough steel braid that you're not going to lose again your your eight your eight dollar <laughs> your eight dollar uh lure <laughs> or these days it's what 12 bucks a rapala or something like that uh, they're they're pretty dear yeah. nowadays got, got 12 to bucks to look at it and 20 bucks to buy it yeah, <laughs> yeah. often how it is so yeah the, see a lot why, of yep go ahead dave i was just gonna say i see a lot of um there's a lot of chat in the uh on the youtube about live bait uh one thing, there are a few things I'll say. One thing, always check the regulations for where you're at because some lakes uh, do stipulate yes. uh, no live bait. Uh, the main, right. the main issue that you, or the main thing you always want to follow though, um, whenever you're buying live bait, is you want to buy it from that area. Like legally, you have to because uh, mm -hmm. they don't want uh, in, in species getting transferred to different lakes. So don't buy your minnows down in the GTA and then go up to Algonquin fishing buy your minnows up in Algonquin uh, and keep your receipt when you buy it, you will get in a lot of trouble uh, if you don't have, if A, you can't produce the receipt and B, if you are found to be using bait that's not from the area, you, it's, a, it's a big no-no. So make sure you read read all your hunting regs, or sorry, your fishing regs before you go out. It's, there, you know, there's, there are some rules uh, that you need to make sure you're following that are kind of kind of intricate like that or convoluted like that where you need to be paying attention you can get oh, yes. you can get caught oh yes there's a difference between what to know to do for survival 
and what's going to actually get you in trouble with the law and just remember that depending on your jurisdiction i'm pretty sure it's the case in all of canada correct me if i'm wrong dave but um mnr have more search and seizure rights than any other lawful authority on the land Mm -hmm. so they'll take your boat they'll take your car they'll take and and get and they you don't get them back till you're till you're proven innocent so uh if if it's a big enough if if it's a big enough um uh, like charge uh it it could be six months before your court appearance and you're not getting your shit back till till that court appearance happens so that's right that's just your first (laughs) appearance to set the actual date for the other appearance that then sets the date for the other appearance (laughs) Uh, about four years later you might get your stuff back yeah i had a a friend that uh that had a hunting incident up in thunder bay and they were down from they're down from southern ontario and they had to go they had to take a flight all the way back to thunder bay to uh to twice like, like you said once to basically you know get a get a hearing and then second time for the you know the actual court date so it it, it was a you know you're looking at like a $2,500 fine probably for the big no-no that you made you lost mm-hmm. a ton of shit so like in this case they lost mm-hmm. their boat and all their rifles and then they also uh you know a plane ticket to Thunder Bay is not cheap because it's not a, nope. a place that goes to very that that you know, flights don't go there very often. So you're going to be paying a premium to go fly there or you're driving, you know, 16 hours there and back. So who the hell wants to do that? So it's going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars for, for that one, that (laughs) boo-boo. So it's a really good point to to pay attention to uh, the rules and regulations while times are good. Uh, Of course, if, uh, if everything takes a dump and those aren't around anymore, then you do what you got to do. But uh, while times are good, obviously, you, yeah. Uh, yeah, the rules and regulations are, are good to know about. They're good to follow because you don't want to end up in that that hot seat of, yeah. oh, now your stuff's gone, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's there's good examples of even YouTubers who are out there doing survival videos, and I was watching one of them in particular, and they got themselves into trouble. And it's kind of a big public thing now because they were showing all these videos of what they were doing in survival, and it was working. And they're catching fish and they're eating, but they also ran afoul of the law and they got themselves into trouble. And, you know, just remember that the, all these great techniques and everything we've all been taught a lot of stuff I've been taught. I can't do, I was only able to do it because I was doing it with a fellow who um, didn't have the same legal constraints as I <laughs> put it that way. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, I had the benefit of learning so much, but I can't do those things, right? So um, just remember that. Just because you saw it in a book or on YouTube doesn't mean it's legal in your jurisdiction. Thanks for reminding us, Dave. <laughs> Come on, you mean you mean everything on the internet is not true? Come on. <laughs> oh, come on. Although I will tell you something that I can vouch for: Daredevil spoons. If uh, you've got no experience fishing and you hook one of those things on your line and you've got nothing live, chances are you're going to catch something with it. So, you know, just make sure you have the appropriate line to put it on. So if you've got a really heavy spoon, put it on a good heavier line, right? Because only a big fish is going to go for a really big spoon unless it's one of those really aggressive little sunfish <laughs> rock bass that go yeah. for all of that shiny yeah, the lures stuff. bigger than they are yeah it feels like they're a thousand pounds on the end though 
Oh, absolutely. They they hit it. That's sometimes. Yeah, it blows my mind. Sometimes you get the hardest strike, especially bass. You get the hardest strikes from the smaller guys. And it's like you yeah. f- you think for the first like you know ten seconds it's a big you know ten pounder, and then you get it to the you know get it by the boat, and it's like oh Jesus, it's like sounds like barely the size of my palm, but yeah, barely <laughs> worth lifting the line up for. But it's yeah. on there now, so you gotta do something with it. Oh. There you go. Here's a here's another question for you. So just talking about. Uh, you know we can feel the fish is on the end of the line there you know you got something do you count the five before you pull the end do you count the three is there any kind of trick that you found uh, to successfully actually hook the fish or yeah you need you need to do uh, what's called setting the hook now yes, you yeah. don't don't watch fucking instagram and youtube too goddamn much because some of the kids i see on there are just absolutely ridiculous like to the point one guy like makes fun of himself because he's yanking so hard every time so when i say setting the hook you know, you're letting them gobble it for a little second, and then you you want to pull up on it to you know get that hook to go pierce through uh, the mouth so that you know they're on. Um, but yeah, you, you watch some of these YouTube guys, and they just they're, they're literally breaking their fucking rods. They're yanking so hard on the line. It, like I've yeah, seen guys that's... pull so hard, it, it's like it's like that little uh, you know that little tiny bass that you thought was a big one. They yank so hard on it, the bass comes out of the water and then flying back behind the other side of the boat. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like yeah, just. That's just settle down you know a, a good a good a good tug is what you need uh even when you're ice fishing you're usually gonna you know little little jigs and you're gonna feel something nibble and then you're just gonna feel your rod kind of yep. start pulling down and that's when you want to lift right up you're usually lifting you want to lift straight up and again getting that hook set in the mouth that that is a big right. part of of fishing that um takes Good a long point. time to learn honestly uh you, you know Definitely. and it's it's why it's, it's not called the big the old saying you know it's not called catching it's called fishing you're not going to always catch everything <laughs> that you hook into and, and that learning how to set the hook properly and, and again having that patience to let him nibble at it just a little bit more before you set that hook uh can be the you know the difference between catching it and, and uh, or just grazing it past him and you know he's gone i mean we were just uh me and a bunch of the boys from the Patriot podcast were ice fishing up in Nipissing uh, a little not too long ago, a few weeks ago. There was still there was still ice and whatnot on the lakes, and um, yep. you know, as, as many fish as we caught, we probably had three times as many bites and, and minnows stolen uh, throughout the course of the weekend. From you know, they just you know they're just they're good at it, right? They they just so uh, they're good enough to just just chomp off that that minnow and just tug it in such a way that they're tugging it off the line and or off the hook and completely missing the hook from from getting in their mouth and uh, it it takes a, a lot of patience and a lot of bait apparently too sometimes. <laughs> and some fish you, you can barely feel them at the end yeah. of the line. The signature is 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 uh did I just feel my bait move? You yeah, probably did. did. Yeah, pull up. Yeah, go uh, ahead and pull up. Yeah, especially especially in the winter months, the the fish are obviously moving a lot slower. They're they're cold blooded, so they're they're not going to be as active. So, uh, the bites are going to be a lot lighter. Uh, so you, yeah, those those soft tip ugly sticks come in handy because uh, you're just gonna you're just gonna see a little almost a vibration. You're gonna think you maybe just like grazed a rock or the, grazed <laughs> the bottom or something, but no, that was that yep. was actually probably a bite. So yeah um, it's uh that's that's similar feel to what it's like to hit the, those black crappie that i love uh mm-hmm. in the summertime they're it's very delicate little bite and if you yank the rod on those to try to set the hook you're gonna tear through those those paper mouths of theirs yeah um, so yeah you don't have to violently 
launch that fish out of the water. <laughs> but yeah, because, and in fact, let's talk about that. Um, a lot of people want to celebrate the big fish, right, Dave? But would you agree with me that it's the one pounders on yeah. most game fish that are like the really good eaters? Gen yeah, generally over a certain size, I, I'm putting those fish back for yeah. a couple of reasons. A, they don't taste as good. Mm -hmm. And B, those are the ones that are breeding and spawning. Yeah. Call them spawners. So exactly. uh, take your picture and get that thing back in the water. Uh, yeah, yeah the, the, the one... The one two pounders whether it's trout whether it's walleye uh whether it's bass generally are always that perfect leanness to the meat where it's just meat there's no fat on it uh the you know the meat hasn't uh, absorbed uh a lot of the contaminants i guess you could say in the water especially when it comes to the rainbow and the salmon once mm -hmm. those things start getting over <sighs> probably over eight pounds is like it's not worth it anymore just throw it back uh they're they're just too big and the, the the meat's got too much fat on it uh they don't taste as good um so yeah i usually put the, always putting those back uh like i said take your picture enjoy the battle and then and let, let it go back and make some more fish for you and that was kind of what i wanted to kind of get into next was just like ethical fishing yeah um, let's talk just about that you're you know you have your limits as far as the regulations are concerned but you know for walleye for instance if you have your sport your sport license, which lets you keep, keep more, you're allowed six a day. But like, if you live by yourself, are you going to eat all six of those fish in one day? And, you know, like I caught a bunch of fish this, this year uh, over the winter or over the summer. And I was uh, vacuum seeing a lot of it, but I still haven't gotten through all of it. So my plan next year is to dial it back a little uh, as far as how much fish we're keeping. Um, but yeah, just, you know, if you want, if you want the, good fishing spot to last a long time don't don't fish it out don't uh, uh you know one that's putting the big ones back and two you know just keep what you're going to eat what you can eat for that week generally like with a trout you only need to keep one and you know a, a piece of trout with fillets that are this big you know you're gonna you can eat trout for freaking the whole every night that week uh, if you're by yourself um and you can go back again next week and, and catch another one so just Making sure that you're taking care of your good fishing spot is, yeah. uh, I think it's sorely lacking. I, I think a lot of people are just just catching everything that swims and throwing it in the boat, and it's kind of hard to see sometimes. And it's just like, are you actually eating those? And, and I'm hearing, you know, I hear a lot of stories, and it, it really makes me mad that, you know, these guys go fishing every single day, and they're giving it away to, to whoever wants to take it because they, they don't need it. It's like, well, if you don't need it, just put the fish back like i don't mind you fishing we're all here to fish because it's fun you know it's the thrill of the thrill of the the fish and pulling it in and taking a picture but if you're not going to eat it and you're just literally giving it away because you don't you don't actually need it or want it uh, i can guarantee if you're giving it away you're probably wasting some too so uh, just put it back in the water <laughs> and yeah. let someone else catch it yeah great point and and remember if you're pulling certain kinds of fish species up from deep uh, bringing them up that from from that deep, you're probably going to kill some of them. Um, they're, it's very not, stressful. It's very that's stressful on them. Yeah, it's hard. That's on the them. other thing. I, I'm not a huge fan, honestly, of uh, like those bass tournaments. Yeah. Um, they uh, they've done some studies, and there's usually at least a thirty to thirty. Uh, it's like a, I can't remember exactly the number, so don't don't kill me on the on the fact check. But I think it's something like thirty percent of the fish uh, after. Uh, that that get once they get released after the tournament 
uh, you know, something like 30% of those fish don't, they, they die within the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, just from, you know, they just overstressed, uh, and often they'll be catching them from the other end of the lake and then bringing them down to the other end of the lake where they're doing their way in. And they just always release them there. They don't bring them back to where they caught them. Uh, and so again, that's, that's very stressful for the fish because bass are a weird animal. It yeah. seems to be about a 50% of them like to travel around, but then the other 50% of them like to stay where they are. They don't move. They'll be, they'll stay in the same general area. Uh, it, you know, square, like a hundred meters square. They'll stay in that like same area for uh, their entire lifetime year, years. Uh, so, um, yeah, like it's very stressful on the fish when you're, when you take them out of their habitat and then putting them back in. So, um, yeah, yeah I'm not, not a huge fan of bass, bass tournaments if I'm, if I'm no. being honest. <laughs> and it's very easy to overfish an area. Very, yeah. very easy. Um, if, if, if you take the time to speak to any of the, the old folks who used to be around, uh, the old wisdom was you, you would change up your lakes. You would go to different places to go to different fishing spots so that you're not fatiguing a lake. And by fatiguing, I mean killing away all the breeders, mm-hmm. right? And all those good big fish, like Dave is mentioning, remember, folks, those are your breeders. Those are the ones that are making all the fish that you're catching. Mm-hmm. So if you wipe all of those out and you're putting away all the little ones, you're not giving the entire lake enough time to renew itself. And you're going to kill off that lake even faster as those younger fish get fished out. Um, if there's a, a road by it or a trail by it, odds are somebody is fishing it. So if you really want to do the environment a favor and learn to fish and have a lot more success doing it, go farther out. You know, appreciate the nature that comes with it. I love fishing those little backwoods lakes. For one, uh, it's a lot less impact on nature uh, in terms of all the boats and human activity. It's usually just me going in, not carrying a whole, whole lot with me, right? So there's different ways to fish. Um, You don't have to exhaust the lake. Uh, The little backwoods lakes, man, you can throw a sock in there and you'll catch your fish. And you don't always need to catch your limit, right? If you've got two or three good fish, you've got a good meal there. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm mostly in in it for the the, the fish. I want to eat it. I don't mm-hmm. know about you, Dave, but uh, I love. Yeah, that's, that's why we catch fish. Me and my dad. My yeah. dad eats. My dad eats a serving of fish at least uh, two two times a week. You know, as long as he's been catching, if he's got fresh oh. fish, and I've always got fish. I usually eat it at least once a week, and I have. You know, I, I keep some vacuum sealed in my freezer as well. So even when I'm haven't got out, like right now, you know, I've only been out ice fishing this this winter once because just as we know, it's just been a really mild winter down here. So it's been pretty tough to get out. Uh, so I got lots a lots in my freezer to to keep fish on my plate. But um, yeah, if you want to catch the if you want to catch uh, the some big trophies that you wanna that you want to take a picture with. The, the little lakes or that, that you have to walk into that are hard to get to, like, uh, that's where you're going to find the, the big stuff. Uh, there, yeah. And especially in Ontario, we're, we're mm-hmm. blessed with all this fresh water. Uh, so you just go, you go up north past North Bay, you can just start, you know, you take a, take a leak in any direction, you're going to hit a small lake that, you know, probably has some massive fish in it. I know uh, I was talking to the, the, the bait the bait and tackle guy up in Nipissing there he showed me a picture he he caught a a trophy speckled trout uh about uh, another two hours north of north bay and he said it was 11 pounds which was only like a pound off of like the world record Gosh, <laughs> some huge. some little lake in the middle you know some little lake nor- in northern ontario so there's there's some awesome stuff to be had if you're willing to 
do a little bit of walking and traveling in there. Definitely, definitely. And and you'll get to see so many great things along the way. Um, even if you don't catch a fish, but mm -hmm. odds are you'll catch something if you go to those backwoods lakes and you won't need much. So Yeah, there's the the wildlife if you go, you know, New Brunswick, northern northern Quebec, obviously BC, Alberta, like even the quietest days of like not catching much, you're probably going to see some bears. You're probably going to see some moose. Mm -hmm. uh, there's usually bald eagles always flying, flying around. There's just, you know, the lake is where the, that's where all the life goes, right? It, that's it's right. water. It's, it is life. So you're going to see lots of stuff throughout the day. If you're just hanging out. Guaranteed. Even if you don't catch fish, you'll learn about nature. And uh, a lot of the things that I learned just sitting around while waiting for a bite, looking at birds, looking at, the sign, uh, fish sign, there's all kinds of fish sign, right? It's always <laughs> where you're not or where we, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's how it is. But, uh, um, I love observing nature around me when I'm out fishing. It's, it's not just, I'm completely zoned in on the fish. So, so. so I have a bit of, may, maybe this is an off topic question or, uh, or something for maybe another podcast somewhere down the road or whatever. But do you have hints for cleaning yeah. the fish and 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 how how to clean it properly so you you don't get fifty million bones or anything like that? Or do you have any subtle hints for that? Um, yeah, I mean, the, it, it, first of all, just understand it, it takes practice. Yeah, uh, even I'm not that good at it. My dad's been doing it for years and years. Uh, my dad's strong proponent of doing it with a regular filleting knife mm -hmm. um he hates those those electric uh filleting knives that you can get at bass pro shop these days yeah in my opinion I, and i agree with them that they they tend to waste a fair bit of meat uh mm -hmm. the way i see guys using them but yeah. uh basically what you're trying to do is you're usually cutting uh this is usually for, for bass walleye uh, that type of fish you're usually cutting along the top uh, on either side of its uh, dorsal fins all the way down and you're just trying to separate the fillets from the rib cage and then usually once you've got those fillets you can separate them from the skin again with your flaying knife it's all about finesse and yeah. a sharp knife uh, oh, and then the last sure. thing you're doing i started doing this trick is uh, especially with walleye you can zipper them so the main thing is getting the rib cage bones out. So once you've separated the fillets from that, you're fine. But then there's also another, uh, it's called the lateral line. So if you look at a fillet of like walleye, you can see a line that starts at the, at the back and it'll go all the way down the middle. And there's a, those, that's where those little bones are that everybody hates getting in their mouth when they're eating fish. <laughs> so if you cut about one inch uh, on either side of that center line at the very back, and then you just zipper it and you just, pull the half the fillet away from from that line and then you grab that little basically you just made yourself a little like one inch piece and you're just pulling that away and then that center piece that's left will have the the ladder line bones in that and so then you'll be left with two skinny pieces of fillet that have no bones in them whatsoever and then if you're if you're eating perch and crappy like like uh gunny likes to eat just eat them oh yeah there's oh, the yeah. bones are so tiny, like they're not gonna yeah. hurt you. Like, on those, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. On pike, uh pike, well, I, pike I, I, do the, I do the top slab technique. I yeah. take off the top slab and then I take the fillets off the side. 
Yeah. Um, that pi- pike are tough. The bones in them are absolutely massive. They have these big Y bones that go all yeah. the way down it. Same with same with musky. Um, and then for for trout, uh, if you're just catching little brook trout, uh, usually just oh, cut it up got, the stomach and just empty them out. And then usually you can just cook them with the skin, like, and take, chop the head off. And then you usually yeah. just cook them in the skin. And then you can just, you eat the skin. Like it's, it's yep. got good oils in it and stuff for you. And you just Delicious. use your fork to pull the meat away from the, from the bone. Agreed. And then you can usually just pull it out. Uh, and then you just have your other filet on, on the bottom. And then if you're catching bigger stuff, uh, this works for the bigger trout and salmon. So like lake trouts, um, rainbow trout, steelhead. Uh, I usually just cut them into steaks about this big. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you're cutting them the same way you're cutting the walleye where you just want to get that main rib cage up at the front out. And then you're going to be left with lateral line bones, but you can feel these and the way to get those out. Uh, Chef Ramsey's actually made a good video. Uh, you just want to get a really good set of uh, tweezers and you can actually just grab them and you just rock them and pull them out. So it takes a little bit of time, but you can get, once you get the, the hang of it you can get pretty quick at it and they come out but i usually just leave them in because like i said they're very obvious once it's cooked the the meat comes down you can see them and then you just you just pull them all out and just put them off to the side uh, so it's not that big of a deal with with those fish as well so yeah and, and, and if you don't finesse or don't you know if you if you don't want to give those bones to your guests i usually have my leatherman around with mm. a nice needle nose set of pliers and mm. a deft uh, fingers you can very quickly find the tips of those bones quickly pull them out mm. and then your children and your loved ones don't have to worry <laughs> about the bones so much because <laughs> nothing will turn off a kid from fish like having bones in them right mm-hmm. that's um, probably my my that was the biggest thing that my mom never partook in the eating of the fish throughout my like entire life my dad was always eating fish but whenever he, the, whenever he was eating fish she would just cook something else that night because he just couldn't be bothered dealing with bones well there's there's uh the old man who taught me to fish told me that uh i don't remember if it was the, i don't remember which particular uh band it was that he dealt with but he said that there was one particular nation. Their big thing is they just grind it all up. <laughs> they take that pike with all those bones. They just grind it all up into fish balls and they fry the fish balls. <laughs> so I might try that this year. I'll let you know if I have any success <laughs> with that. I would still try to take the bones out, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try. Like I said, I'll try everything once. So I'm adventurous, but I'll give that a try and I'll report back here on the channel. We'll see how that works out. But um, I forgot there is one more type of fishing. A couple of people in the, the chat are talking about. I have done it before. And uh, so even if you don't have a, a fishing rod uh, in the spring, you can usually fish for smelt. Um, they're basically just little, little fish. They're bigger than minnows. Uh, and when you cook them, they're basically just, you just take the head out and, take the head off and degut them. And then they just, they're fish sticks, basically you just eat the whole thing. Uh, and you just use a little net. Uh, they're usually come in uh, late at night, usually around midnight. Uh, the best way to fish them is usually right at the mouth of little brooks, little rivers. Um, and they'll come in and you just, you're just scooping them up with a net, uh, you know, with a flashlight looking at the, uh, looking at the water, you'll see them coming in, in from the lake to uh, into the little rivers. I, uh, I don't live i don't live far from lake simcoe and yeah. um it used to be huge runs there yeah used to there's still some of them but 
Yeah. I mean, back back in the day, the problem was, and and I'm not I'm not knocking anybody from from the six or from the GTA, whatever you want to call them, but um, they would come up and they just had no concept of somebody's private property. Yeah. They would just trape over it. They would catch whatever if they found something they didn't like. Five gallon just pails of that stuff at a time. They just dumped it and walked away, and it mm. it they just really left a lot of mess and. It really ticked off a lot of the locals and to the point where they were, they were literally putting up uh, pieces of fence right, right up to the edge of the waterline and, and sitting out there and all night long with somebody saying, stay off my property. Like hmm. it just. Yeah. There was, there was a lot of overfishing going on on Simcoe with, with smelts. They were, people were catching them by the five gallon pail and, and again, giving it away. Cause who's, Who's going to eat, you know, I, I know one guy personally and kept six pails and I like gave him shit. Like I don't talk to that guy anymore. Um, but yeah, six pails of, of smelts, uh, like, you know, big pails. And it's like, we would catch one, me and my dad would go, we would catch one pail and then we would spend the next day cleaning them. Cause that's like 500 smelts. It's a lot of smelts. Uh, and we would put them in Ziploc bags of like, you know, you know, 40 in a pack. And then we could have smelts like once a week for, for the year. Um, but like, you know, we're, we were a four person family and that's plenty, you know, that Ziploc bag's plenty for a family to have that as a meal all, all year. But se seven gallon pails, like seven pails of, uh, you know, five gallon pails of, of these smelts, like, of course, there's none left in Simcoe. Like, that's ridiculous. Uh, so, yeah, that, that runs pretty much over. Uh, where I go is with a, a buddy at his cottage. I don't want to give away where it is, but we go a little further north. And there's still lots and, you know, there's still a fair bit in, in his lake. No, nothing like what it was on Simcoe. You know, we'll we'll catch maybe, uh, you know, I think last year we caught 100 altogether. We caught two Ziploc bags worth of, of smelts. And that, that was like, you know, that was over a whole weekend worth of you know, doing lots of drinking, and then at twelve o'clock, walking over to the <laughs> walking over to the little the little brook that uh, goes by his house, and 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 hanging out with a flashlight, and you know, some and having some sh shenanigans, catching uh, catching smelts. Uh, but uh, yeah, and and part part of the other thing too that that I would see all these people catching smelts and stuff is, um, I've I've had them. I'm not saying I'm a hundred percent fan of them. A lot of people don't like them. They, they do have a different flavor. They have a different, depends how you cook it, whatever. So you catch these and you give them to somebody and they don't like them. They're just going to pitch them. And yeah, like you say, they, they've just fished it right out. So. Mm -hmm. yeah, like I said, it goes back to one, that respect. <laughs> oh, definitely. One species yeah. you should not overlook if you don't mind darker fish and stronger tasting fish is the mighty catfish of course but his related cousin the bar butt um the uh, the mud pout that fish i just love eating those fish and the greatest time to fish them is of course in the springtime um but those will definitely feed you um so get to know the different fish that are out there it's not all about the fish that are overfished you can have a good feed of fish without stressing out your local game fish and still have a good time. And uh, especially if you're getting the family into it, it's great to get kids into the fishing. They love that stuff. Absolutely. Uh, and it gets them away from screens and it gets them doing things that, you know, their little eyes and little hands will thrive on, like making knots and doing that. It's the first thing you should teach them how to do is how to 
knot up a, a hook on a line. Mm -hmm. um, too many, too many little ones today don't know anything about knots and working with string and rope and darn it. It's a really easy thing for them to learn. It gets them away from the screens and it's really healthy for you to be out there learning this stuff, even if you're not catching a thing. Um, but it sure helps if you do. So get some worms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even, even if they catch this tiniest little sunfish, watching the smile on their face will, yeah. they'll, they'll want to come back fishing with you. Right. And like I said, for me and my dad and I'm sure parents around the world, like fishing with your, with your kids is a definitely a good bonding experience that you can share with them their entire life. <clears throat> yeah, that's a great time. They won't forget it. I never forgot my early fishing experiences and um, I almost enjoy getting somebody else to start fishing and them catching a fish. Even if I don't, mm -hmm. I'll enjoy them catching their fish as much as I will when I catch one. So um, if you do fish and you haven't gotten somebody started, well, please do get somebody started in fishing, you know, show them how much fun it is and uh, lend them one of your fishing rigs, show them how to use it. Um, it doesn't take long and man, it, I don't know. It, it really enriched my life. Um, so I'm still wanting to learn all these other techniques that are higher dollar and more kit. And I'm just not there yet. But eventually, because I've got this grand plan of fishing everywhere. But Dave, do you also um, use... Um, oh, now I'm having a horrible brain fart. Um, you see them in streams, the floating line. Uh, floating line, like a fly fishing rod. Fly fishing, thank you, sir. I, yes, I've. Do you fly uh, fish? I don't fly fish. My dad's done a little bit. I, uh, I've always, I've, you know, as I'm getting older, you know, I become more of a fishing connoisseur. I guess I, I do want to try it. I've never, uh, I've never gone fly fishing. It's, it takes a certain finesse. Um, my dad's shown me it a little bit. The thing is, those, those little flies that you use are actually very delicate so if you start yes. you think you're on instagram right and you start whipping it you'll oh. you'll throw those things will fall apart so you got to be really be have the basically the technique down of of how to you know get your line to where you want it to go and how it how you throw those lines out and i, I can't i wouldn't be able to teach you because like i said i haven't done it i'd have to practice um and I, I don't like I don't own a, a fly fishing rod, but it's definitely something that's always interested me. But at the same time, it's a it's more of a river thing. There's not yeah. it's not a ton of rivers where I go. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you know, the old float and and row bags is more what, what me and my dad do when we're when we're river fishing, either in any one of the you know Lake Erie or Lake uh, Lake Ontario rivers. But uh, I think I would like to try and get somewhere further north, maybe with my dad while he's still able to some sort of fly in place um, and uh, and maybe do some of that. Cause yeah, I mean, it's a bit, you, you kind of, I feel like it's more of something in more remote areas and there's not a lot of remote areas left in Southern Ontario. No, agreed. <laughs> but uh, I, it, I got it, a little taste of Arctic char and <laughs> now that I've had that, man, I've got to go North and, mm -hmm and try to get my hands on some of that. I don't know. There's just so many different kinds of great fish. Have you ever had ling? Uh, I have never had ling. Uh, I almost caught a ling last summer, actually. Lost it right at the dock. But um, oh, <laughs> those things fight like crazy. <laughs> they are insane. They're harder fighters than catfish. Yeah, they're. I don't know. They're. 
if anybody's ever seen one, yeah, they're like pure muscle and like they yeah. they're not like they don't look like kind of like a traditional fish. They have no. like a one one big tail. They don't have like the split tail like we're usually used to on most fish. And yeah, those things are crazy. They're I don't oh, know insane. Hard oh. to hard to describe the 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 power I felt when I when I caught that. I didn't know what I had. I was like, man, Same. this thing that feels like it's like a twenty pound musky or something on it. Just yep. Rod. <laughs> Down. <laughs> that's the exact same feeling i had it was spooky son, yeah and then the son of a gun got right to the dock and then he dove under the dock and like wrapped it around and snapped the line and he oh. got to live another day <laughs> wow see, mine behaved the same way it dove down it kind of wanted to go under and around the canoe and fought mm -hmm. me for quite a long time heavy heavy fight Mm -hmm. Not not a short fight like the bass or, or yeah bass usually fight. you're you're at the water within you're, I mean you're at the boat within you know twenty it's, seconds it's a quick affair uh, even a pike <laughs> doesn't fight like this this thing fought me quite a long time and so, wow what am I working with here and it finally came up and it was just this massive ling and we fried it up with very good fish mm -hmm. um, but I've heard they're good eating I've actually I've I've never uh, I've never tried it but I've heard that they're actually like pretty good eating very good fish um i don't know how i would go about targeting it but i was just curious yeah. if you had one because that was a great eat but yeah nobody ever I, talks about proudly about eating a ling <laughs> yeah there's, there's not much in in southern ontario that i wouldn't eat other than like those big carps i would stay away from that just because they're mm, yeah. they're so big first of all like i said when they get to a certain size and like first of all carp or bottom feeder and then if they're 30 pounds I don't think that that's going to taste too good. Now, probably not. Uh, I've seen some people take them home, uh, but I, I'd probably, I'd probably, you know, unless it was an absolutely dire situation and I actually yeah. caught one of those, uh, I'd probably, I, you know, I'd give it a go. But and the other thing is too is like they're also so big that they, again, they're they're a, a tackle breaker. They break rods because yeah. they're, so, they're so freaking big. So I wouldn't specifically target those. But just about every other fish in southern Ontario, you, you can pretty much. You can pretty much eat there. Yeah. Everything, everything's edible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're pretty fortunate uh, to have all this fresh water. Exactly. Um, because a lot of the fish that you will pick up are quite edible. I've never eaten a sunfish. I don't know if there's much meat on that. To You're eat. Not, again, that's more of yeah, that's more of a survival situation. If it's all you yeah. got, there's there's some meat to be had, but generally yeah. you throw those back. It's usually the what my the fish that I like to eat eat for dinner. Yeah, exactly right. But yes, get out there and fish is what I would say. Uh, talk to anybody who does some fishing and they'll probably be glad to show you what they learned. Hey, man, I learned how to fish for bar butt with worms and line. Mm -hmm. And that's it. No hooks, just worms and line. And it's very, very easy, very doable. So you don't need a lot of money. Um, you don't even need a boat. If you've got a bridge somewhere over mm -hmm. water somewhere there's probably somebody fishing it maybe stop by and watch them for a couple of minutes see what they're fishing yep. with maybe ask them hey what do you run and then go and replicate it man they got fishing gear at the dollar store now <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how good it is but they got fishing gear at the dollar I'll store. i usually start at your canadian tire and then work your way up kind of yeah. thing <laughs> yes canadian tires usually got deals on something right yeah you have often almost always that that rod and reel combo and that's that's a good way to start you know yep. having having so, a, a decent knife to cut your fish up with a filleting knife yeah. is definitely the way to go right dave 
Yeah, definitely want the you want the soft tip filleting knife. Yeah. Just, you need that you need that sharp tip and to get into the to get down into the the fillets and along here so you yeah. can follow the the rib cage like I was saying without yeah. you don't want to actually cut the rib cage you want to follow the rib cage and then you also need yes. it you need that tip to be able to bend without yeah. breaking which you're not going to be able to do when you're using your your Kershaw or whatever definitely so it's a little too stiff right <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give one piece of advice about the filleting knife that people overlook is that you should remember to use the tip of the knife to feel you can feel with that tip of the blade when you're against the ribs. You can feel when you're against structure, uh, when you're against uh, connective tissue versus flesh. Mm -hmm. Take the time. Don't be too much in a rush. The biggest the biggest mistake is being in a rush with a filleting mm -hmm. knife. Use the tip to feel. Yeah. Um, other than holding your hand and showing you how to do it <laughs> with you, that's my best advice. Uh, Another thing that like you said with watching, right? There's a... The nice thing about where we go, where we launch in uh, Port Glasgow, there's a there's a cleaning station in the wharf. So oh, if you want nice. to learn how to cut fish, go hang out there for an hour. Just, just watch yeah. the guys cut the fish. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll see somebody eventually not using the electric ones, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll see how to fillet a night, fillet a fish properly. Yeah. So yeah. there's a I'm few different ways school. to do it. Yeah, there there, are, there's honestly yeah. no wrong ways to do it. Just try and get as much of the the meat off the off the fish as yeah. you can and just keep trying to do a better job with every fish that you catch that's all that's all you can do yeah. uh, is it just me or is the first uh, that you do every season the roughest and then they oh yeah better. it's a sloppy mess <laughs> <laughs> i found the same thing <laughs> yeah it usually takes at least yeah. two, two three fish to get into the into the motion agreed yeah and the one the one thing i i will say um We've had our, our fish whisper catch and clean some fish and we've had it fresh. And I will say this to you, if you have never had fresh fish out of a lake and oh. you think the stuff in the store is good, you have no idea. You have oh, no sure. idea. The taste we, we, is so much different. We used to bring a, we would some, sometimes we'll bring a, just a little cooking camping stove with us mm -hmm. and uh, we'll fillet one up and, and cook it right there on the, yeah. on the shore. Cause it's just a little S and P and mm -hmm. it's, it's the best, best you'll ever have in your life. Oh, yeah. You can't very, one very thing good. is you're spoiled. Once you, once you start eating your own fish, once you start catching oh. and eating your own fish, you can't buy that store-bought stuff ever again nope. in your life. You really can't. Nope. <laughs> I have to agree with Dave. But, and what's your favorite, um, bush and uh, roadside uh, lakeside cooking oil i like lard because it seems to capture all of the moisture in the fish it doesn't dry out the fish i'm a butter guy i always like oh, like, yeah, like real nice. butter <laughs> yeah butter it's, it's nice hard to too. get past butter <laughs> yeah that's a classic but you can't go wrong <laughs> very nice yeah. Well, I think we've covered off some basics for fishing. Any last uh, last minute thoughts from uh, anybody on the panel before we move along, or last minute things you want to get out there? Mm. <laughs> I see wheels spinning. Like, don't, don't sweat it if you think yeah. your gear isn't up to par. Just get out there and fish. Don't, with it, don't be afraid know? to be to be skunked on your, yeah. your first time out or your second yeah. and third time out. It it yeah. takes an honestly an entire lifetime to master fishing. Uh, just, just go there and go with the expectation of catching nothing and just having a relaxing, quiet day and you'll be, yeah. you'll be better for it. And then when you catch something, you'll be ecstatic, right? <laughs> totally. And if you're one of those detail oriented types, just remember 
you can probably land a 12 pound fish with eight pound test. All right. It's all about technique. It's all about my dad uses fish. My dad's using for, for the big salmon run in, in Port Hope. Uh, and usually in September it's four pound test. Now you're using a 12, 12 foot rod to, to make mm. up for that, but four, four pound test. Cause you need to use really thin line cause they can see yeah. it. So there you go. yeah, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not impossible. <laughs> there you have it. There you have it. Awesome. Thanks for that, bud. Cause I know a lot of people will go, Oh, you can't be fishing for that kind of fish with that kind of, you can catch anything with anything, first of all. Yeah. I, I love it when somebody says can't. <laughs> that, that'll be like maybe my last I'll tip. try it. Yep. Probably be my last tip is is setting the hook. And then the, the second part of that is do not horse the fish. Let let the fish run and tire yeah. itself out and, and yes. bring it into the boat. Uh, I've seen too many times that it makes me and my dad laugh all the time. We'll be uh, fishing for whitefish on Lake Simcoe in 20 feet of water. So it's not, it's not, not like you're very far down. That's not deep water. Um, and you're catching whitefish, uh, and they have a very soft mouth. They're they kind of like a sucker mouth. Uh, and so you cannot horse that fish. And, and I just, we see these guys from the city that are just, just like reefing on it and, and constantly reeling. And then sure enough, you know, it'll be like five minutes and all of a sudden gone, and, you know, their, yep. their, their rod goes straight and, and it's gone. Uh, you got, you just got to let the fish run, let it tire itself out be patient uh fishing is a is a sport of patience and from from trying to catch the fish to when you actually catch the fish be patient let let the let the fish come to you and keep keep the line taut keep the line tight but you gotta you gotta uh, let it tire itself out don't try and horse it into the boat you're you'll lose it snap snap line or snap the thing out of its mouth every time yes 100 (laughs) percent agreed with dave on that last point that's a big one the old man who taught me taught me to the point that if you didn't fight the fish appropriately and you need a net to get it in the boat you didn't fight the fish appropriately you have to tire out the fish good and tired but you don't need to whip that poor fish around and beat it up (laughs) because you're just you're just disrespecting the fish at that point guys Uh, you don't need to beat the thing up land it appropriately fight the fish appropriately which means let the line be taught against the fish. Let the line play out the fish. The fish is going to tire itself out. You'll know. It'll come to surface. It'll it'll have the play taken out of it. And that's when you're ready to reel that line up and take it out of water. Um, and other than that, don't make the mistake I made of trying to grab your fishing line. That's how you <laughs> lose the fish. <laughs> that's all I've got. <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there then. That's lots of really good, uh, valuable information. I'm sure. I'm going to make a couple anglers out of a few, uh, a few listeners. That's for sure. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you, Dave, uh, taking the time to come out this evening and kind of share your knowledge and experience with us. And, uh, absolutely. Thanks for having the me. world of, the Thanks, world of fishing Dave. out there to some people. <laughs> right on. All right. We'll move into the podcast challenge. So easy one for this episode, grab a fishing rod, Get out and try to catch something, preferably a fish of some sort. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Upcoming events. We've still got the annual preppers meet coming up. So uh, check out annualpreppersmeet.com and the early bird tickets are still available. They're still a hundred bucks. Still a fantastic event. uh, Like we've been saying for the last couple episodes now, Uh, 
new uh, new venue this year. Lots of like-minded folks coming out. It's always a good time to uh, to get out and just chat with us and like-minded people. Friendly group. If you're new to this, everybody's willing to share their knowledge and, and chat with you. So don't be afraid to come out. And even if you're seasoned and you've been doing this forever, come on out and talk to some people. It's a, it's a great event. And uh, Jeff, you got a weather blurb. Uh, I do. Been a couple of weeks since I had something I passed last week. Um, so as I mentioned in the news topic, the uh, Maritimes are getting hammered with snow. Uh, they are one of the few areas in Canada right now that actually have below average temperatures and snow. Uh, for the most part, the last several weeks have seen above average temperatures. And except for uh, one shot in BC, basically very little precipitation. Uh, just to give you an idea of the... Uh, the weird temperatures on January 30th, Maple Creek, Saskatchewan, was 21.1 degrees Celsius. In contrast, Cape Coral, Florida, was only 18.2. So that kind of gives you an idea how backward-ass things were and things are. Um, a good portion of the western provinces presently, uh, they have no snow on the ground at all. Uh, and this... Uh, can cause some serious problems come the uh, spring planting season. Uh, they rely on that snow to get that moisture into the ground so that when they plant, the, the seeds have some moisture in the ground to germinate. And if if they're planting into basically dry dirt, uh, that's not going to bode well for them. So uh, let's hope in the next few weeks, month or so, they, they get some precipitation out there, be it rain, snow, whatever. Um, but it's funny on the opposite coast, uh, California, uh, and parts of the West coast are being hit with back-to-back -back atmospheric rivers. Uh, Santa Barbara, California, uh, is also experiencing some fairly high wind gusts with this atmospheric river. So along with the saturated soil, they are having trees coming down like crazy. Um, lots of power outages, lots of trees down. Uh, National Weather Service has issued a flood warning. It covers over a million people in communities northwest of Los Angeles, including Santa Barbara, uh, Oxnard, Thousand Oaks, and Simi Valley. Uh, along with them getting rain, you get into the higher elevations of the Sierra, Sierra Nevadas, and you're getting snow. And uh, it's pretty significant snow. So uh, a lot of them are getting similar to what um, the Maritimes are getting for snow, which for them is not that unusual, but... Um, they're getting that. Hopefully, um, this will be now, hopefully if you're somebody who likes winter or doesn't mind winter, um, hopefully this will be the last week of the above average temperatures. Uh, we're going to start seeing a return to seasonable temperatures. I don't think we're going to get a deep freeze or anything like that by any means. Uh, but we will see a return to more, you know, seasonable temperatures. Uh, but before that, we're going to have about another week of uh, warm weather, um, potentially significantly warm air. Uh, in my area in central Ontario, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they're calling for temperatures between six and eight degrees every day. So, um, you know, it's fine by everybody's. Me. <laughs> Pardon? So it's fine by me. I just spent. Hey, yeah, uh, yeah, it's I fine spent... by you, not by me, but that's okay. Yeah. We're all different. Um, yeah, a, a lot of the a lot of the small towns and small areas that rely on um, 
rely on ice fishers, rely on snowmobilers, rely on all of that stuff. Um, they're hurting. They're shutting down. They're laying people. They're, they're, snowmobiling has been non-existent staff, this year. What's that? I said snowmobiling has been basically non-existent this year. The seasons. Yeah. Did it yeah, even get started? I'm, really? I'm, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I'm a big snowmobiler. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm heavily involved in our club. I groom trails and we haven't turned a track on our, our groomers here in almost two weeks, which is wow. basically unheard of. Yeah. Um, like I said, where I am in central Ontario, um, we have not had a day where we received five centimeters of snow or more since the 13th of January. We've had, you know, a little bit of snows here and there and stuff like that. We haven't had one day where we got more than five centimeters of snow since January 13th. So <laughs> it is what it is. I, I think things are going to turn around, but it may be, we may be to the point of no return. So we'll, we'll have to see how bad this next warm up is as to whether or not there's anything left. Um, Crazy. Yep. No side of that. One, only takes one snowstorm once it gets colder again to, to bring it back to life, but it's not, not looking, not looking good this winter. It, though. It, so de de depending, that. depending how, uh, how cold it is. I mean, for yeah. us, you know, we build snow bridges over swamps and all that stuff. They're gone. The swamps are open. They're running. Water's actually flowing. Um, mm. We're not we're not a snowstorm and a couple of days away from being being able to open a trail. So it is what it is. But almost sounds like you got to get a fishing rod out with flowing water. <laughs> yep. Well, there's still a lot of open water out there in places yeah, where this, normally this year's yeah to to go on ice fishing. Um, uh, one thing I will say, it's been a very dangerous uh, yeah. winter yeah. with uh, you know main part of, you know there was ice fishing that happened on simcoe but the main lake didn't freeze over as far as i know and uh i mean we were we were all booked to go on a fishing trip uh around the sunridge area uh, on lake bernard and uh, it never froze over so we ended up having to rebook our fishing trip to another two hours north to actually get to a lake that was actually frozen so uh if you're if you're thinking about doing any ice fishing i don't know if there's much that's going to be had anymore for the rest of the year but if you're going to be doing any ice fishing this winter you really really got to be careful make sure that there's a keep drilling holes as you're going moving out and bring your bring your ruler with you to uh, make sure the the ice is uh you know at least that like in my opinion or at least four inches was that or i was going to say the other thing is uh, make contact with your local local ice hut operators. They're the one. Yep. They're yep. they are the experts. They're going to know how yep. good this, the the ice is. And I mean, if uh, if an ice hut operator is not going to put a hut out there, you shouldn't be either. Yeah, there's there's good. There's lots of good channels now. You can even follow on Facebook uh, of guys that are just there. They're from the area and they're they're just doing an a, a, you know they're doing ice reports every every few days just to keep people up to date on. What the ice is doing but uh, yeah it's been a really dangerous year this year because just because it hasn't gotten really cold so there's there's not a lot of places that have frozen over or if they had uh it's soft ice so it's like that white ice so uh you can't really trust it uh so just just good. just be careful if you're going out uh this year it's it's uh it can get dangerous real quick <laughs> oh, yeah, yep, absolutely yep good advice so we'll move in We'll move into a deal of the week. So uh, sales got a pretty big clearance on fishing gear. So if you're looking to uh, fulfill the podcast challenge and you need some equipment, that might be not be a bad spot to uh, check out first. 
with that, I'll bring uh, episode number 229 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, please do submit a review wherever you listen. It does uh, help other people find us and does the whole algorithm thing as well. And we do record these shows live on YouTube and Facebook. Unless you're Ian and you are not allowed on Facebook, then uh, you can find it somewhere else. Uh, if you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab. Uh, that will give you an alert when we are going live. If anybody wants to reach out to me, uh, I'm not responsible enough to have my own email, so you can contact me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca, or you can find me frequently roaming the Discord. I might cast the uh, message along to Jeff if you email it. <laughs> and you can uh, find yeah. me the frugal yeah, guy. Yeah, what, what is it? Two, two beers an email or three for five, something like that? I might just put it on a piece of paper and cast it, see if I can get to your place from here. Carrier it's a terrible attempt pigeon. at a fishing joke. Yeah. We should bring yeah. back carrier pigeons. <laughs> Until those come back, you'll be able to find me on YouTube, Rumble, Facebook, Instagram, and on the CPB Discord. <laughs> How can people contact you, Dave? If if you want to put something out, you don't have to. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. My my screen name is my uh, Instagram handle. So if you want to see what I'm up to, or shoot me a message on there, you can you can add me up, and then uh, we we can get in touch. Awesome. For those listening to the audio version, that's uh, Diesel underscore six two two three. Uh, for myself, you can check out at Rapid Survival. Eh? Yes, that is very good. <laughs> yeah, two two three, very appropriate. Yep. <laughs> So you can check out uh, Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. You get me there on the live chat. You can also email me at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning. As we wrap up another insightful episode of the Canadian Prepper Podcast, we want to extend our gratitude to our listeners for joining us on this journey of preparedness. Remember, the key to survival is knowledge and readiness. If you want to support the show and engage with our community further, consider signing up for our Patreon and joining our thriving community on Discord. Links are in the description. If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave us a review. This is the Canadian Prepper Podcast, signing off. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning.